Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Hi, parents. You're listening to the Project Parenthood podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nanika Kaur. Today, we're talking about life with three-year-olds, when caregivers often come up against controlling and resistant behaviors. Instead of getting lost in endless power struggles and conflict, I'll share with you some effective tools to get through this challenging developmental period with your sanity intact. When kids turn three, they're coming into their sense of self and beginning to feel proud and excited about their increasing abilities. Children at this age have some developing self-control, and are noticing more how others might be feeling. Motor movements are becoming smoother and faster, and there's much excitement about doing things together with caregivers and being a helper. Louise Bates Ames, who wrote and collaborated on a series of books on child development from birth to age 14, describes the half-year before a child's fourth birthday as being a time of disequilibrium and turbulence, where they're more at odds with themselves and their environment more clumsy, emotional, confused, and temperamental than they are during the prior six months. Tasks that were easily accomplished just weeks ago, the child suddenly has difficulty completing. Parents require a lot from a -a three-and-a-half-year-old throughout the day, which means ample opportunities for outright refusal to comply. Your first tool for reducing meltdowns and behavior issues is to reduce the amount of requests and requirement to the bare minimum. Let the child lead whenever it's possible and appropriate, and try not to let yourself be drawn into power struggles. A child of three and a half is more irritable, insecure, and dealing with built-up tension that might lead to self-soothing behaviors like finger-sucking or feeling extremely attached to a lovey. Dressing, eating, and bedtime can become a battle of wills, and some parents meet their child's staunch resistance with a lot of resistance of their own. Imaginative and pretend play are becoming exciting for three-and-a-half-year-olds, but they can switch from playing to being controlling to weeping and bitter disappointment all in the same minute. This can be exhausting for caregivers. Not every three-year-old is the same, and yours may be very different from these descriptions, and it's important to understand your unique child. But those parents for whom these descriptors ring true... Often just knowing that these behaviors are a normal part of developmental growth that will eventually pass can give parents some relief and help them be creative in managing the challenges of this stage. Recently, I got a request from the parent of a -a three-and-a-half-year-old struggling with behavior challenges. The parent writes, My three-and-a-half-year-old constantly fights me on simple requests, won't listen to me, and then acts up. I'm wondering if I should be taking away a privilege at these times to start to teach him consequences. For example, at a play date last week, he and his friends were happily playing when my son started riding around on a communal tricycle that belongs to the playground. After riding around a bit, he got off, and his friend quickly hopped on it and rode off. When my son became upset, I said, Tim is using the tricycle now. When he's done, you can have another turn. All of a sudden, my son ran toward the gate to the playground, which was open, 
Then he ran out of the playground and down the block yelling and wouldn't listen when I yelled after him to stop. At home, I sat him down and explained that he's not allowed to run away from me like that and all the reasons why it could be dangerous, but he continued to act up. I was tempted to take away his TV privileges for the evening, but I wondered if that was the right thing to do. How could I have handled this situation differently? Here's my answer. When parents use the term not listening, they usually mean not responding or not obeying. He's listening. He's just not interested in doing what you've requested. So the question is, why doesn't he want to do it? Is he in fight-or-flight survival mode? Does he feel unheard? If so, punishing upset makes for more upset and doesn't address the source of the problem. Punishment can look like taking things away, lecturing, inflicting physical pain, timeouts, shaming, and any other adult-imposed consequence. All of these can be damaging to your relationship and to your child's sense of self-worth. If a child is upset about waiting for their turn, you can compassionately empathize with and validate your child's upset for as long as they need to express it. This could sound like, ugh, you wanted to ride the bike and now it's Tim's turn. You don't like that at all. I hear you. Sometimes it's really hard to wait. If they're open to it, you can help them decide what they'd like to do while they're waiting for their turn. Offer several options and let them choose. When your child is done getting out their big feelings, just let it go and go back to what everyone was doing beforehand. The rule, it's not okay to run in the street, is a great rule, but not one a toddler is going to be able to reliably follow, and certainly not when they're in a fight-or-flight state. It's never a three-year-old's job to keep themselves safe on a street by remembering the rules. It's the job of his adults to keep him safe. So, as you're headed to the playground, you might say to yourself, my kid is a runner and gets pretty dysregulated around toy sharing. So when sharing comes up, I'll need to stay close and be ready to hold space for big feelings if he melts down and head him off at the pass if he tries to run. Challenging behaviors happen downstream. Once they're already happening, it's too late to do anything about them. You can only keep everyone safe and wait for it to be over. So take your mind upstream for troubleshooting. That's where your power is. And if a child is still in fight-or-flight mode when you get home, they will not be able to have rational discussions about rules. So if you want to discuss something and make a new plan of action for the future with a child, it's best to do that when you're both in a really connected and calm state and the thing you want to talk about is not happening in the present moment and maybe happened several hours to a day or more ago. If your child is acting up, there's a reason for it. He could need more connection, more validation, firmer boundaries, more autonomy, or just for you to hold space for big feelings. It's most important to remember that all of your child's behaviors are in the service of getting his needs met and an outward manifestation of his present physiological state. When you're able to help him get calm by getting calm yourself and meet his needs in the moment, he no longer needs to use the challenging behaviors. Punishment meets exactly zero child needs. A child never has a need for punishment. Punishment is more about a parent meeting their own needs for control, obedience, or being heard. And unfortunately, sometimes it might even be about a parent's need for the child to suffer for their mistakes. But the more kids are made to suffer for their mistakes, the more they will fear making them, and the more they'll want to hide them from you by sneaking or lying. Your child will make more and more sophisticated mistakes as they get older, and they'll need your help with some of them. It won't feel safe to tell you the truth or use you as a resource, even if they really need you, if they ultimately fear you, your judgments, or your punishments. Instead, reducing unnecessary demands, giving opportunities for control, 
accepting big feelings while holding firm limits, proactively setting you and your child up for success, and troubleshooting during times of connection are some of the helpful tools for surviving your child's third year. Thanks so much for listening. Project Parenthood is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's produced by Dan Firebend with script editing by Beata Santora. Our operations and editorial manager is Michelle Margulies. Our assistant manager is Emily Miller. And our intern is Claire Freeman. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, you can email me at parenthood at quickanddirtytips.com or leave me a message at 646-926-3243. You can learn more about my work with parents at brooklynparenttherapy.com. That's all one word, brooklynparenttherapy.com or on Instagram at bkparents. That's all for this episode of Project Parenthood. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.